Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing fantastic, my friend. Before we dive into today's episode, uh, shout out to you, the listener, the Fasting for Life fam, the people that have been listening to us on this journey with us on this fasting and insulin-friendly lifestyle journey to health and weight loss. Uh, We are coming up on a pretty cool milestone, Tommy. We are about to hit 100 episodes of the Fasting for Life podcast. And I'm in like shock because when we started, we're like, is someone really going to want to listen to our story and our journey? And what is this going to look like? Right. So we're like, all right, let's just do one. Okay, fine. Now let's get to 10. All right, let's get to 25. And then from 25 to now has been kind of a blur. Blur. You know, we've had our intention, we've had our desire to continue to make this conversational and impactful and have action steps where you can go put fasting like tips and tricks into your day-to-day life immediately after the episode. We try to keep them short and concise and distill down some of the research and the information. And that's a foreshadow for today's episode, but just a huge shout out to you guys for listening um, and being on this journey with us. And uh, we couldn't do without you and we wouldn't be doing it without you. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for keeping it conversational too. You know, all the emails and all the, all the, uh, the stories and the wins and the, the, the pictures like, Hey, I never thought this was possible. It's just like, it's, it's incredible to, to kind of get that feedback and see where everybody else is and, and how the progress is, is coming. And, and that's why we, we got started on the, on the challenges too, um, you know, earlier on, uh, in this journey and, and why we have our, our last one coming up for the year too. Yeah. And, and with that, we, again, just, we appreciate all of that, the messages and the feedback, especially the five-star reviews. Like we are, we are racking them up, Tommy. Um, And I'm not going to make this just a self-aggrandizing episode, I promise. Um, But like, thank you for the feedback. That also tells Apple and the powers that be that we're doing something that people want to listen to. So we're going to try to continue to do that. No promises, but we will try to continue to deliver the goods uh, so on and so forth from episode 100 to infinity and beyond. Um, if you guys have kids under the age of five or maybe five to seven, you will know that reference from toy story. One of the most iconic animated videos of all time. So Tommy, before we hop into today's episode, one more announcement about the last challenge of the calendar year coming up November 17th. It is strategically placed the week before Thanksgiving, it is the last calendar challenge of the 2021 year. We want to set you up with the frameworks, the tools, and the encouragement, as well as the confidence to navigate these holidays um, the best yet. We want to make it the best holiday season yeah. I've ever had, and we're going to be having everyone. Don't miss out on the opportunity. The next challenge isn't going to be till the end of January, beginning of February. 
So we want you to be on this journey with us. We want to give you all of that. So go to the show notes, www.thefastingforlife.com forward slash live for more information. Absolutely. All right. So as I alluded to a few minutes ago, we're going to talk about the struggle in today's technologically advanced world where we have more information at our fingertips than ever before, but Mm -hmm. we are not getting the result. The stats show that we are rapidly approaching 50% obesity here in the States, Uh, 75%, 72 to 75% of the population a few years back is overweight. Um, And we know that carrying the extra weight has long-term health consequences. So you may be new to fasting. You may be moderately experienced and had some results, but most people come to fasting for weight loss. And what we really want to do is expand the knowledge of why fasting is so powerful, but most importantly, you know, check yourself and check us on where the information is coming from. So today's conversation, Tommy, is going to be around a Healthline article and Healthline, uh, much like WebMD, is one of those things or one of those sites out there that comes up when you get on the Google machine or DuckDuckGo or whatever search engine you use, and you put in how to lose weight, how to manage blood sugar related issues, how to uh, you know manage diabetes. You know, um, you've got a your individual blood work has said that it's time to look into this stuff, or maybe Mm -hmm. you have a family member or a friend that you care about, and this article pops up. Um, on Healthline. And the problem with a lot of these places is that they're just aggregated sites. So they're misquoted, they're um, miscited. There's a lot of op-eds, there's a lot of uh, opinion type pieces, right? So this article actually says, and I thought this was going to be a good one, so I can't wait to unpack it. And I'm going to stop talking, but you start up to land the plane here. Meal timing, why when you eat matters for type two diabetes management. And I was like, this is going to be an incredible article that we can use. It is, but from the standpoint of misinformation, so we're going to correct it and land the plane here. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, there's there's like so much potential in in that kind of article, like being framed out like that for for management of it. You know, so many folks that that we know and that we've talked to and and that we we know are out there are are struggling with blood sugar related issues and trying to reverse something like you alluded to there, like go into Google, um, like, you know, I get my blood work back and I go to Google and, and say, um, how do I reverse hypertension? How do I get my blood sugar down? How do I, how do I help, you know, fix this and so much information out there, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's coming from all these different sources. And, and sometimes the, the information is just, it, it just kind of paints you into a corner where it, it's not actually getting at, at the problem at all, which is, which is what we started to see in, in this, um, article here. That, that starts off with, you know, meal timing being so important, but the very first recommendation in the article, just big, bold letters, eat a big breakfast. And then it goes right on after that. Don't go more than a few hours without food. And, you know, I, I, I already started to, to see that this was going in the wrong direction, you know, right here off of the bat. And we're going to get into some of the reasons why as well. Yeah. So, uh, this also brings me to a point that we've seen some positive changes on the American Diabetes Association website, <clears throat> yeah. but when you get to that point and it, it kind of to zoom out to 30,000 f- feet here for a second is carrying the excess weight, being in the higher BMI categories, 
over the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s leads to, it's like rust on a bumper, right? I've used that analogy yeah. before where over time, <clears throat> you know, you don't develop a giant hole in your floorboards of your old Chevy, you know, right. overnight. Like it takes years and years and years and years for that to, to rot and depreciate and, and kind of degrade down to where then you mm-hmm. have this big opening, right? You're like, oh my God, the floorboards rusted out. So the zooming out, you know, carrying the extra weight and, um, you know, we we've done episodes on this, uh, in the past of like, well, is it really the holiday weight gain? Is it the, you know, two to three pounds per year? Is it, what is it? That's the the underlying driving factor of this. And it really comes down to the physiology or the hormones, right? So if we zoom out and you're, you're now thinking like, well, I don't have diabetes or have prediabetes. Well, carrying the extra weight is going to increase the incidence of that. And then you're going to end up having to go to sites like the American Diabetes Association to get your information or the one in Europe or the the one in Australia or New Zealand, wherever you are, right? Because I know we have people that listen in from all across the world. So you're going to go and then they never talk about the reversal of that progression of the disease or the the issue. So we go from carrying some extra weight, some fatigue, some brain fog, your hormones are imbalanced, then your blood work starts to look a little funny or your thyroid's off or your cholesterol's ticking up or your blood pressure's ticking up. And now your, you know, blood sugar doesn't show up till 10 years after that. So now you're a pre-diabetic and then you're diabetic and then you've got the heart complications and, you know, all the other comorbidities and health related issues that come with that. And we're like, well, what the heck, how did I end up here? And now I'm going to sites or like articles like this, which kind of opens up Pandora's box of Healthline and WebMD. And then you're like, all right, well, let me go to the source. Let me go to the diabetes websites. And we've seen some positive changes, but they don't talk about it in the light of reversal. It's always in the light of management. And this article is like, this is how you want to manage your diabetes and let it slowly progress without ever reversing it. Like that's, if I can just be so bold to say the misinformation that's in here um, is literally keeping you on that same path. It's like, nah, we're just going to like manage it while the problem still continues to increase over time. Hey, y'all, I wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently, um, and now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code uh, fasting for life to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two-year-old, has not slept consistently through the night uh, since he was born. We have tried everything you can imagine. He is our third child, and we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out um, how we can help him sleep. And uh, the reality is uh, we're pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the Air Doctor Pro in his room. And I am not joking when I tell you the first night that we put it in his room, he slept through the night. The second night, slept through the night. Now we're up to 35 plus days that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times rather than two, three times a night, two times in the last 35 days and counting. And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is uh, we had a feeling that it was something that we were missing. And the indoor air air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days. In some cases, up to a hundred times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors and we take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? an air purifier, a cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money and they have not done the results that Air Doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room. 
They filter out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants. That includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I don't know what it was that was keeping them up, but it is now gone. So Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com. Use promo code FASTING for life to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. An exclusive listener um, offer for you as well. You'll receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. That's exclusive to you, the podcast listener, now hearing this in real time. Lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code fasting for life. You guys know that we are very particular with who we partner with. And if it wasn't for this incredible company and this, the incredible results that we've seen, I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the fasting for life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in and now back to today's episode. Yeah, it, it's almost like just blunting the acceleration of the disease, but no right. chance of ever, you know, actually turning the, the wheels around. But even that, that first recommendation in there, eat a big breakfast, it's like, it, it's, it's coming from a good place of, you know, it says eating a large meal in the morning and smaller meals for lunch and dinner may promote weight loss, lower glucose levels, and a decreased daily insulin dose. But you know, if, if, if we have to look at, at the three main meal times in a day, yes, eating earlier in the day can be better for blood sugar and for insulin response. However, we don't have to eat a big breakfast in order to do that. And eating a big breakfast just means bringing in more energy, more calories. We already have stored fat that we need to burn through, but we're, we're going to be bringing in more deliberate calories in first thing in the morning. We, we, what if we just skipped that breakfast? then we could have the benefits of keeping those insulin levels low, the blood sugar low without just bringing in more stuff. So if you, if you have to choose a mealtime, yes, earlier can be better for insulin responses, but that doesn't mean you have to eat a big breakfast and you'll, you'll make more progress reversing your, your type two diabetes potentially by not eating that big breakfast, at least, at least some of the time. Yeah. And the, the article that they referenced there for that one, the high energy breakfast promotes weight loss, helps reduce total daily insulin dose, that's going to put you between the field goal posts if you're already in that situation of being a diabetic. But it's never going to undo it. It's never going to reverse it. We don't want to just keep yeah. the, the numbers between a certain, the, the spike, so to speak, between a certain level. We want them to decrease dramatically so the body can start to undo the resistance and balance out the hormones and decrease the body's production or need for insulin. So in the morning, you've already got, you know, as your body wakes up, you've got your, um, your cortisol rising to wake you up, your noradrenaline, um, your growth hormone, like you, you don't necessarily need to force it, right? So skipping the meal, because it's interesting, I'm going to bookend it here, Tommy, because the last one of the last points down here, because I'm going to skip down to the bottom, because I think it's good kind of framework um, is it says, try to fast at night, try to go 10 to 12 hours each night without eating. Um, for instance, if you eat breakfast in the morning, you know, uh, uh, at 830 in the morning, then try to stop between 830 and 1030 at night. Right. So the yeah. experts can agree on fasting at night when your body is meant to be sleeping is beneficial. Well, let's just push that. Right. Right. So we don't have an insulin spike. 
or a glucose spike in the morning. Like that's not crazy talk. Right. It's not crazy talking. It's actually the the easiest way to, to you know, kind of ease into fasting. And, but even just, even just the, the, the words that they're using right there, try to fast at night. So, you know, when we talk about fasting and why is it helpful and why, why have so many people seen so much success using intermittent and extended fasting, it's about creating those boundaries between when you're eating and when you're not eating. So it's not necessarily about doing a, a thousand hour fast or, you know, anything crazy. It's, it's about setting up the, those boundary times. And, you know, the, the earlier you cut off that, that when you're eating at night before you go to bed and winding it down, the, the lower the insulin and the blood sugar response, the better the, the, the body's response to that. So, you know, instead of trying to fast at night, making sure that you, you put in you know, a line in the sand, I'm not going to eat past a certain point, And then that's going to start my fast. And then when I wake up in the morning, then I'm, I'm already fasted at that point. And I can choose to extend that if I want to see even a, even continued further results that way too. Yeah. And the second point, don't go more than five to six waking hours. Again, this whole snacking thing, right? So yeah. they want to keep you between the field goal posts, keep those spikes or keep those blood sugar ups and downs like muted. Right. I agree for management, but I don't agree for reversal. So some people right. may even need to eat every three, four hours for optimal blood sugar management. Right. Management, management, management. That's mm-hmm. the problem. If we're always managing and treating the symptom, we're not getting to the underlying cause, which is why pushing the window, increasing the time and understanding what your body is doing at certain times of the day yeah. makes sense for us to push the window and build on that 12 to 14 to 16 to 18 to 24 to 36 hour fast, which Dr. Fong actually uses in his clinics for people that are, are diabetics to break that insulin spike cycle and give the body an opportunity to function at much lower levels of blood sugar and insulin, which then it goes, Oh wait, yeah, I know what to do here. Like I'm going to start burning some of this fat, which is the crux of the initial issue which is that first 10 or 20 pounds you put on and you just can't seem to get rid of. Yeah. And then it gets, it, it starts accumulating faster and faster. So, you know, when, when you're talking about those blood sugar spikes and like keeping the blood sugar stable, just so you don't see those spikes, it's almost like uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of recommendations out there to, to not go under a certain point for, for normal blood sugar levels. Almost like we're, we're afraid of that dip in the blood sugar like almost like we've, we've almost kind of uh, seen that villainized or like, you know, like, like don't let your blood sugar drop at all. We got to keep it stable. So as soon as you, you know, you see any sort of, of, of drop, make sure you have a snack handy, right? Like even if, even if that's what you're, you're looking to do, because if you're, if you're looking to burn through some fat, if you're looking to, you know, reverse any of that, you're going to have to see some blood sugar dips, correct? Yeah. And that's a good point for clarification here. And for, uh, peace of mind. We're not giving medical advice in this situation. So there's the disclaimer. Um, But lower blood sugar numbers are good. So you're going to see the normal between 70 and 100 here in the States. Um, And then inside of our continuity group, we'll have people sometimes saying, you know, I'm in the 60s. Like, I don't want my blood sugar to go that low. The only time blood sugar, I shouldn't say the only time, but in most cases, blood sugar only goes like that dangerously low when you're on a blood sugar or blood sugar altering or blood sugar lowering medication, 
outside of the rare case that you might have a uh, insulin producing tumor called an insulinoma in your pancreas, mm. you, we don't have to worry about the blood sugar in terms of type two diabetics, the blood sugar going incredibly low. And in type one, you don't have to worry about it because um, unless you're overdosing or overdoing the insulin, it's not going to drive the blood sugar too low. So outside of medications, forcing it low, we want to see those numbers drop. So conventional wisdom is going to say, ah, normal 70 to hundred, let me keep it in that range. But if we want to reverse, right. And have a fat adapted physiological state, um, and, and help those, those hormones balance and get the weight off and become metabolically healthy and be the, the 12% of people that are metabolically healthy or the 5% or 8% of people, depending on which research you look at that can actually keep the weight off and be at their ideal healthy weight. Um, you need to think outside of the box and know that you're not doing anything wrong. In most cases, if you are concerned, obviously talk to your doc and let them know what you're doing, but the dip of the blood sugar is a positive thing, even below that 70, that 70 number in certain cases. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's amazing how, how quickly you start to, you know, feel like you, you start to understand what normal feels like, even as your blood sugar starts to drop. When I started monitoring mine with a keto mojo, uh, I remember going like, okay, uh, it's at 78. Is, is that okay? And then I said, look, how do, how do I feel? I feel fantastic. As my ketones started to rise, my blood sugar, you know, continued to drop, you know, into the mid to high fifties sometimes. And right. I, I felt incredible. And, you know, like uh, just the, the next bullet point on here about snacking purposefully reminded me of that, like, because just, just the idea that I need to, you know, keep snacks around and I need to make sure that I, I always have food handy. I mean, it's, it's the antithesis of fasting, but it's also the fuel that, 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 that gets poured onto the problem, onto the fire that's already burning that the, the fact that I'm going to have a blood sugar spike because of that snack, I'm going to have an insulin spike be, because of that snack. And it's only going to take me a few seconds to maybe a minute or two to eat through a, a snack, but it's going to be several hours worth of fuel. And with those insulin spikes, I'm going to be shoving more of that fuel into long-term fat stores. It's going to be hard to get that out later on. So, you know, it's just, just understanding that so many of these recommendations that, that may be coming from, from a good place or from, you know, from, from the right um, you know, they're like, they're, they're, they're trying to get it right. They, they still might be leading you into painting yourself into a corner so that you're making the problem that you're trying to fix actually worse over time. Yeah. And that's, so that's part of the, um, <clears throat> things that we see like on the ADA websites is, you know, the, the abdication of the responsibility of the recommendation now is that it needs to be tailored to the individual. And I'm like, okay, great. What does that look like? So let me go, you know, to the, to the Europe or India. And it's like, yeah, 45 to 60% of the total energy should be a carbohydrate and only, um, um, 10 to 20% is protein, sometimes up to 60% carb. So we're tailoring these recommendations to the individual, but we're tailoring them in a way that's only that that's not ever going to get to the cause. Yeah. So I know we're kind of harping on this a little bit. But that Healthline article really kind of opened up the, 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 the conversation that, yes, it needs to be tailored, but it needs to be tailored in a way that, that looks at the, the underlying root issue, right? So the reason I say it that way is 
the article also mentions when it comes to diabetes management, it isn't just about what you eat, when you eat matters too. And while there's no one size fits all approach, a little trial and error can help you find a meal schedule that works best for your health. I couldn't agree more with the when you eat matters too, and almost be as brash to say when you eat matters most. Yeah, um, because that's going to have a substantial effect on your hour to hour and day to day insulin response, which is going to be, you know, it's also going to be heavily affected by what you eat. But when you eat is going to matter um, significantly more than I ever thought while I was trying to figure out how to how to lose my excess weight that I put on in my in my 10s and 20s and and 30s and and try to reverse that process. But so much of this information got me like kind of just looking in the wrong direction and then wondering why what I was what I was doing so diligently just absolutely wasn't working. And I mean, that that's where, um, you know, I'm going to encourage everyone, if you're listening to this, and you're not really sure if you if you need to, to worry about your insulin, go take the insulin assessment that we put up on the website, because that that's why we did it. It's it can kind of look a little bit under the surface and and tell you if there's something that you should be looking at insulin wise and the the main control point for that is your meal timing itself. And there was actually an article that that looked at this whole like getting the weight off right in a certain time frame in a certain amount of speed like aggressiveness yeah. almost like we call it the the um you know the fire factor with fasting yeah. like how many what's my time going to look like how how many fast cycles am i going to do am i going to do 24 a week or 36 a week am i going to stick to 18 during the week and then push it on the weekends like all those different conversations um they were actually looking at that the um the the group that lost um uh the the weight the quickest right by using caloric restriction and 15% reduction in that caloric restriction actually maximized the benefit of intensive weight loss in the clinical trials, which then gave a um, result that showed an impact on the management of the underlying cause of the disease itself when it comes to blood sugar. So the low and slow approach of let's time our meals, let's get our snacks in, let's keep our numbers between the field goal posts what, what we see is we're starting to see this intensive weight loss. This is what Dr. Fung does in his clinics as well. This is what we do in our challenges. Um, that when you're doing the more aggressive 15 to 20% reduction in intake, um, which fasting will give you regardless, you know, if mm-hmm. you're just sticking to a 22 to 24 or one meal a day situation, you're going to get a direct impact on the disease processes, not just the scale. And that's really, to me, where the magic happens and why um, we feel that fasting and the insulin-friendly lifestyle and the fasting-friendly lifestyle is really what most people should be adopting. Yeah, it's incredible what's, what's possible. And, and it's, it's, it's awesome to see whenever we go through one of these challenges like we have coming up and the way that it, it can just kind of like open your eyes to these things that we've been hearing just over and over and over again. Like this is just one of, of literally thousands whenever we were looking at this, like, like what are the recommendations out there right now? Where are they coming from and how are they being framed out? And like, there are so many. And so when we go through that, that's why a big part of the challenge is actually like, you know, what is, what does the data say and and where does it point us and why does right. it work? Like, and understanding those big picture pieces can give you the confidence to keep going, understand that what you're doing is the right way for you. And then just to keep going with it. Cause you need that, 
those confidence pieces and the tools all at the same time to really get the ball rolling. Yep. Yep. And we're on this journey together. So the next challenge coming up November 17th, you can go to the show notes, www.thefastingforlife.com forward slash live. We have conversations like this every day with you. Um, we go live every day in the group for seven straight days, Q and A's. Um, and if you're listening to the podcast, if you are new, you got to start. The time is now. If you've been doing it, maybe it's time to push your window. Maybe it's time to check where you're getting your information from, or maybe it's time to have that critical conversation with your provider or with your spouse or with your friend or with your loved one, right? Sometimes just taking a step back and assessing or reassessing where you're at is more powerful than just jumping into something as well. So Tommy, lots to talk about, lots to unpack, lots of things to think about from this episode and this conversation, but I'm super excited about the next challenge. I'm excited about some of the talking points from today. Hopefully you guys got something out of this. We love and appreciate you. Episode 100 coming. We're doing something special for it. So stay tuned. Tommy, as always, sir, thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye. So you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.